Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Who Asked You, the podcast. Absolutely nobody asked for, but we are going to provide. My name is K.O. Blachapelle, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Ross Parker and Louis Bataro. How's it going, boys? What have we been up to? Uh, happy 420 to all of you who celebrate. Because it's saw a fantastic video of at the University of uh, Vermont today of just their entire quad completely <laughs> packed full oh my of people God. sparking up awesome funkadelic even though by the time people listen to this it will be after 420 but they won't know really no it's the magic it's the uh the magic of the internet awesome okay so i gotta tell you the story i i alluded to you kayla but i didn't tell you anything so um so i'm sitting there at work today in the office uh, one of my students looks and sees my, uh, as as lots of 51-year-old professionals do, he sees my uh, Lego Boba Fett um, clock and says, did you watch the last episode? And I'm like, of course. But And I said, not only did I watch it, I, I got up, watched it at six in the morning because <laughs> my friends and I like to record a podcast about it. what you do. Oh, that's awesome. That's dope. So then like during the rest of the work, you know, the appointment, I'd like send him an email with the PDF. And later in the afternoon, I get an email and it's from him. And he's like, thanks so much for this. By the way, I forgot to ask the name of your podcast <laughs> on Spotify. So shout out Javier. because Let's I sent go, Javier. So we're, you know, he's he's listening, hopefully. And uh, oh, yeah, Javier, tell your friends about us. Andrew. We're going to talk some Mando and some uh, Teddy Lasso later. So, Finishing off the pod with a little Mando, Teddy Lasso back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, anything so, else you've been uh, up to watching? Anything this week, Louie? Um, well, I, I think oh, I told you yesterday before your uh, infrastructure problems. Thanks, Memphis. Um, Shout but, out MLGW. Yeah, so this might have been the greatest, like, from Wednesday to Wednesday might have been the coolest week of TV in a in a in a bunch because you had what I think was the best episode of Ted Lasso this season Tuesday night. Yep, I, I felt a very satisfying Mando conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, two episodes dropped of Barry Sunday night, which and that came out hard and fast, and I was pretty stoked for that. And then three episodes of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Final um, season, yeah. unfortunately. On a roll, final dude. season, final season of that. Final season of Barry. So it's it's big time stakes and big time stakes. So, it's a good week. It's a great week uh, for television. I need to get on. I need to get on to uh, the season of Marvelous Miss Maisel. I want to. I kind of want to do a rewatch because it's been a while since I've watched all of that show. I did. Sure. I did. I think the last time I watched like the first season was like leading up to season two. So I feel oh, like okay. I need to go back. Um, well, that's a, such a good show though. Rolls, man. It rolls. It's so good. Um, I managed to squeeze in some cocaine bear this week. Nice. Oh, cocaine I need bear. to know. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's terrible and awesome. And yeah, it's a good time. You, you know something. you're getting out of it. Yeah, yeah. Have low expectations. Um, ooh, watched a cringy um documentary about Brooke Shields. 
that's uh, on Hulu right now. It's a two-parter. Brooke Shields was an actor, as a model slash kid child actor who was completely, you know, like had the worst show business mother of all time. Okay. Um, really terrible art stuff as a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old and really cringy, cringy stuff. But she was like Miss America. You know, okay. like everybody in the eight in the seventies and eighties knew who Brooke Shields was. She was iconic, and it's just like how gross. Looking backwards, it's like the entire decade should just be canceled. So, um, it, it that was really that was a really powerful, powerful um, thing to watch too. Documentary. That's what the kids are calling them. Yeah. Ross, what about you? What you been up to? So first and foremost, a lot of NBA playoffs. I was talking with both of you about it. I cheer for the Blazers, but Sacramento Kings are the hometown team, and they're very fun to watch. I I love watching them. And they are on a very successful postseason run. I'm actually watching them as we pod right now. Um, In addition to that, I finished uh, Shrinking. Oh, I love to hear that. What do you guys think? Overall, of the whole season. Spoiler warning. Yeah, a little bit. It's been a couple weeks. Watch the damn such, show, guys. I was such a fan of this show. I loved this show. It's so fun. It's so fun watching Harrison Ford act. You know, it's like... What it what what I appreciate was that it was something where like it filled sort of like a heavy emotional aspect to it as well, but it's like positive, healthy conversations and like how adults are supposed to have them. It's also just fucking hilarious. It's so it, funny. There, there are some hilarious moments in this show. Just, and I, I appreciate the multi-generational components of it. The, mm-hmm. the mentor, mentorship, the friends, the neighbors, the yes, we, we, I'm son and you know, or I'm the, this is, you're my daughter. I'm your dad, but how it's taking everybody to help raise his daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and, and it's taking everybody to, it took everybody to get Jason Siegel back. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Jimmy, it, yeah, it's just a collective, um, collective, interesting ensemble. So. Yeah. I think all of the, uh, really a shout out to all of the major cast of even down to like, the bit characters like the husband is such a funny good bit character that just pops in and out oh Ted hus- which husband oh yeah um, dad. the neighbor's husband yeah yeah liz's husband uh, that guy was hilarious so funny that i just i keep thinking of the scene where <laughs> they're like fighting with the karen neighbor lady out in front of the house and he, <laughs> he drives up and he's like you need, my help? you need my help, Liz? And she's like, no, I don't need your help because she's, you know, strong, independent woman. And she's like, hi, Susan. And Liz just goes, no, we're pissed at we, Susan. He's like, we, we don't right, like fuck Susan. you, Susan. No, no, no. no, we don't like Susan. Oh, okay. Eat a dick, Susan. So good. Uh, yeah, Ted, uh, McGin- Ted McGinley is is low-key. He, he belongs in a – in. it's a lower-tiered Hall of Fame, but a Hall of Fame. Um, okay. I'm in. I'm in on that. His married yeah, with daughter work is phenomenal. I I genuinely was such a fan of the show. I I think I would have been okay if they just left this as a one and done. 
they set they very clearly clearly set it up for stuff to go on in season two. Yeah. I, I would have been totally okay if they made this a one and done. No way, yeah. dude. Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein are losing out on Ted Lasso money. They it ends in you know what, six more episodes, then they're out. They got they gotta find some new business. They gotta find a new cash cow. Yeah. Have you guys what? speaking of this, like Brett Goldstein transferring from one Apple TV show to another? Like we're getting like studio contracts again, like like early twentieth century Hollywood. I'm a fan. And like that, mm, I'm, it didn't, I'm it okay didn't work it. good the first time around. Well, like we still keep getting good stuff on Apple TV if they're committed to getting good stuff and not just pumping out shit. Oh no, 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 not that. Like the movies stayed good through the early 20th century. It was just that every single actor was getting abused because they had these 10, 11 picture deals with these studios. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that's, well, yeah. they they didn't even have ends to them. They just had you're here and we own. Yeah, you're here own, until like baseball before free agency. So we have your rights in perpetuity. So then we get yeah. Humphrey. Then we get the first typecast actor of all time, Henry uh, Humphrey Bogart, who played the same exact character in every single movie he was ever in. To be fair, I just did crush Casablanca this weekend too. Oh, I fucking love that movie. Nothing against Hen- Humphrey Bogart. I love Humphrey Bogart, but he played the same exact character in every single movie he played well sometimes he was and it wasn't his fault and sometimes he was a cop yeah (laughs) so yeah um but the other thing and and i don't know did i i did send you guys that link about the vanity fair article with brett goldstein i had no idea he was a stand-up right neither did i and 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 he just played in seattle and he's playing in san francisco next month you have to go, Loki Russ. You have to. I, I I would love to go. The problem is that the show is on a Tuesday night. Oh, that's tough. And San Francisco yeah. is a two-hour drive for me. That's tough. Yeah, that's. You should you should have to go for work as recon. <laughs> I should scouting for Ticketmaster uh-huh. and Live Nation. Wait, that's not where I work. <laughs> I was that's just not where I work. I'm just kidding. I was talking about anything, but you had to go and out yourself. Just bring a sign to the comedy show. Say. Brett, will you come on our podcast? Yeah, Brett, come on the podcast. No, yeah. He's, Break the internet a little bit. Have you guys ever listened to him on his podcast? Yeah. His his tone of voice is so incredibly fun. So it is. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I've been watching that or that I watched that I had that we haven't brought up so far. I watched uh I never thought this would happen, but Kevin Hart made me cry. Uh I watched Fatherhood on Netflix. Mm-hmm. really fucking lovely movie um yeah. i never ever thought that kevin hart of all people would be able to make me cry in a movie and he absolutely did i kind of laughed when they when they kicked him down the uh in oh shit this is the end when he fell into the pit that was cool <laughs> i like that too yeah um highly recommend it's a very fun movie uh kevin hart anthony kerrigan's great in it uh deborah i'm not gonna be able to pronounce her last name uh i apologize it's like i orende or something like that um the guy from did you guys ever watch red oaks i know i've talked about it on the podcast a few times no okay the guy from red oaks is on there um go watch red oaks it's a 20 minute 20 minute episode sitcom three seasons about a middle class jewish kid working at a country club it's very fun Hmm. Interesting. Um, beef? Did you watch Beef? 
I did not watch Beef. It is. I did put it on my list. I've finally. seen that. Well, I haven't seen it. I saw the like. I saw it on my was it Netflix? Yeah. I put it on my on my watch list, so it will get watched eventually. Yeah, pretty intense. I watched the, the just the first episode, so. All right, let's hop into the news here. We've got just a short day of news for you all today, and then we're going to finish up the episode with uh, Mando Season 3 review and kind of looking forward at the different storylines left over at the end. Uh, Dude, I think we've got to start with the Madison Bumgarner thing because yeah, we, were we definitely are. Right before recording. We, we were getting into it. No, we definitely should. We're going to start out in the land of MLB today. Uh, Madison Bumgarner. DFA'd by the Arizona Diamondbacks on the market. The question passed that, like, he's going to end up on an MLB team. Sure. Um, if anybody, the fucking Oakland A's would love to have him. Um, but does he get on base? Does he get on base? Um, well, he uh, gets people on base this season. He lets a lot of people mm-hmm. on base this season. Um, yeah. The main question we're talking about here. Louis, you have a take. And so my take. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. My take was that if you asked me 2012 to 2016, if you were, you know, give me give me a pitcher who's uh bound to be a Hall of Famer, an active major league pitcher, it would have been Kershaw one, Bumgarner two. Mm-hmm. Like one, two. And and at this point. In his career, the man is 33 years old. I he needs a mega mega comeback of for the for like a five year run for me to consider him as a, as as being able to make it. Can, you, you say he needs a five year run? Yeah. Maybe, well, okay, maybe not a five year run, but he needs like he needs he needs to stack some W's. Um. Yes. He needs to stack W's. Does he, he need to make like another postseason run to make it happen? Postseason record's impeccable. Wins aren't like wins are the word. I understand. I understand because the Clayton Kershaw, but Clayton Kershaw, who is the only one who I think is demonstrably, he's the one who I would have said is demonstrably better than ten years ago. Yeah. Um, he's stopped. He's at two hundred, and I don't know that he's going to get to what two thirty, two forty. You know, Verlander and Scherzer. Um, using whatever uh, you know illegal substances he needs to Im- improve himself. It was fucking resin and sweat. Come on, ah, uh, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, those guys, those guys are gonna get close, but they're not gonna get to three hundred wins. No. Nobody's gonna, you know, three hundred wins is over. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. So, so two fifty is the new three hundred. Is is I think our reality of it. Um, and I think Kershaw is an automatic Hall of Famer, even if he doesn't get to 250. Yep. And Matt Bum's no way going to get to 250, but he's at one. He's 10 games over 500 right now. He's 134 and 124. He has a 3.47 ERA. Right. 15 years, 3.47. Yeah. <clears throat> Three World Series wins. I. Mega star, mega star. I'm just saying, if you if he stopped today, if nobody picks him up, you're going to put him in the Hall of Fame with 134 wins. Yes, I yeah. think I am. It's the fucking it's, baseball it, Hall of Fame. Everybody what, and their mother it, gets into the baseball Hall of Fame. Well, that as long also, as they don't do he, steroids. 
the, another thing to think about, and not even the statistic test of just the test of time, that 2014 run that he had where every game he came in and started, and then that game seven against the Royals where he came in and out of out of the bullpen in like the fourth inning and shut the Royals down. That run in 2014 is iconic. People Absolutely. still talk about that. That's another thing of like Hall of Fame. Like, is there like a moment that stands out about the player? And that 100% is a Hall of Fame moment, a Hall of Fame run. And another thing that I think, and I do think it's crazy looking at this, that Mad Bum never won a Cy Young and on and never got even in top three in voting in a Cy Young. But we are talking about four straight years of All-Stars and three straight years of Silver Sluggers. Yeah. Granted, it's at the pitching position. That's, we haven't even talked about it yet. No, no. Yeah, that's true. We haven't even talked about his hitting. For a pitcher, how freakishly good that is. Shohei Otani is making everyone forget about that. But like, what Bum was doing for a while was freaky. I. No, no, no. I, he was. He was great. And so one of the other things, and this is this, as I, I'm looking at his, his stats, from 2011 to 2016, so a six-year run, his lowest innings pitched was 204. Right. He when nobody goes 200 innings anymore. Right. Like yeah. he he led the league in starts twice. Um, he led the league in complete games uh, once with four, although four is nothing great compared to the olden days. But uh, there are going to be teams that don't have four complete games this year. So, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get points in Mad Bum's favor here. And I went to war because, you know, it's 20. It's the 21st century, and war has become the most important stat. War is the only thing that matters because Mike Trout's the greatest thing you've ever seen. Because <laughs> yeah. why? Because war. Bad bum does not have a great case in this department. Yeah. Thir- 32.4 war career Ooh. Ooh. sits him at 254th all-time for pitchers. But if you filter it by... Oh, this is not great. Like, I'm just looking at innings pitch compared to it now, and he has significantly more innings pitched than the people that are around him and above him. He's got a lower war than Corey Kluber. But, like, also, Garrett Cole has a 34.8. So, like... I'm not trying to shit on the guy. I think the guy was a great, great ball player. I just... It's the length. The length of the game is what's supposed to matter. Take a wild guess at Cy Young's career war. Oh, shit. 150? More! 200? Uh, No, not quite that. 165 war. My God. Cy Young threw 7,356 innings in his career. And I don't care if they're over 64 miles an hour. He's still got that. That's... That's 21,000 outs. That's the craziest fucking stat I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) 7,356 innings pitched. I'm sorry, 22,000 outs. With a 2.6 ERA. (laughs) Oh, that's fucking amazing. Sorry, getting a little off track. Back to Matt Bum. I don't know if it's like, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I don't know how you, for 10 years, look at Madison Bumgarner's name on a ballot sheet and he doesn't make it. Totally. 
we talk about longevity and duration. I mean, he's had a 15-year career. I wouldn't call that short-term. I mean, unless he pulls a Kurt Schilling. Well, that was actually a name I was about to throw out there. Because, again, iconic in terms of, you know, he won the World Moments. Series for Boston. Yeah. Um, you know, pitched in the World Series with the Phillies in the 90s. Um, was, He's got won significantly the better career numbers than... Madison Bumgarner right. does. But the only reason he's not in is because he's a cock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be, I mean, some of the biggest blue balls of all time on Kurt Schilling. Three years as the Cy Young runner-up. Three times in four years and never actually getting over the hump to win one. Mega to his blue teammate. Balls. To his to teammate, teammate every single time. Yeah. But okay. um, rain. That being said, Madison Bumgarner could keel over tomorrow, and I'd sign his dead fucking corpse to the Boston Red Sox. So, <laughs> well, yeah, he'd be your third starter. Yeah, be coming out right after Cutter Crawford. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I wish him well, and I hope it goes well. I, I wish he'd never gotten in that that motorcycle wreck because mm. I think that hurt him a little bit too. But um, I mean, it's tough. To, it's tough to go to Arizona right when they become just. I mean, not that they were anything special before, but when they become the by far fifth team in that comp, in that division by a wide yeah. margin. One and four, seven and ten, seven and fifteen. In his three full years in Arizona, not fun. Yeah, that's a tough. They're luck. paying thirty mil for him not to be on the roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then you go down to postseason pitching, twelve series, eight and three, two point one ERA, a hundred innings pitched. Yeah. I mean, those are crazy numbers. Sub one whip career. Four and oh in the World Series. Point two five talking, point two five World Series ERA. You talking his uh what for whip, are you talking postseason whip? Yeah, just postseason okay. whip. Postseason yeah, yeah. whip. I mean, I think no. there's a case. I totally get where you're coming from, though, Louie. Like it's been a decade at this point since he was mad bum. Like, yeah. And that's tough. That's a tough it's part tough of the, because... of the 15 year career. I, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I think that run he had incredible. I think, I, so too. I, I think like that's, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, 2018, he was still throwing a sub 3-3 ERA. 100%. Um, I, I think he gets in. I don't know how the vote... I mean, granted, it is the Baseball Writers of America, and they're noted not smart people in there, but um, I don't get how the entire Baseball Writers of America looks at Mad Bum's name on a ballot for 10 years and doesn't put him in. Agreed. All right, just to be a dick... Barry Zito, 
Don't <laughs> fucking do this. 31.9 war. 31.9 career war. 165 and 143. That's so he's at 4.04 ERA. And zero World Series rings. So, but I'm just saying he's, he's comparable. Mad Bum is closer to Zito than he is to Kershaw. I mean, there's not many people that are close to Kershaw. Well, the other guys. Mad Bum at a time was, though. Yeah, he was. You know what I'm saying, career stack up-wise. Yeah. The, the Groms, the Scherzers, the Verlanders, those guys would all be, even Granky. I would say those guys are all, they all have a much better making, making this. I could use one more just great Zach Granky year. That would be great. I would love that. Did you see DeGrom left to start after four innings this this like I did. this week already? I thought it wasn't just of an injury. Yeah. 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 Yep. Do we ever That's hear what okay. it was? Um I'm not in New York okay. anymore, Itis. <laughs> I don't like, have an uh, entire I don't have an entire media army breathing down my neck every time I miss a game, so maybe I'm just gonna take one off. Oh no, we suck and we're gonna always suck now. Because the that. Rangers are the Rangers are starting Actually, hot. They're they're starting hot, but they're gonna be bad. Yeah, there's I don't no know. way. But but that guy, you know, it, he's been dominant, right? Like he's had he's been what well, he's got how many Cy Youngs? One, two, two Cy two. Youngs. Two. Um and and yet that dude is 83 and 57 in his career. Mm. So no, DeGrom, not a Hall of Famer. He's 35. He's 35 years old. I mean, you can't say that, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you say that a guy that won back-to-back Cy Youngs isn't a Hall of Famer. Dale fucking Murphy, back-to-back MVPs. Yeah, fair play. Back-to-back MVPs. Fair play. No, no, no. You're right. Don Mattingly. I mean, I there there are two. Bernie Williams isn't a Hall of Famer. He has four rings. The baseball Hall of Fame is so weird. Okay, true. Because it is like everybody and their mother can get in, but then you list these guys, and I'm like, why? How are they not? Dale Murphy, 397 homers. But Fred McGriff got to 497 and eventually got in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Even like guys like Vita Blue aren't in the Hall of Fame, right? That's because he's black and he did cocaine, and so they, the writers were against <laughs> him. Um, just to finish this one off, I hate I hate to throw another a little haymaker at Mad Bum right before we get off this topic, but it's tough to get replaced on the roster by a guy whose last name is Mizzy Wicks. <laughs> That's an L. That's tough. <laughs> you can't get replaced by Mizzy Wicks. That dude sounds like somebody out of a Dickens novel. Yeah. Anthony Mizzy Wicks. I don't care. Still That's a Hall of Famer to me. Uh, good. We're talking shit about a major leaguer. All right. Let's uh, hop into the biggest news of the week. Um, there's a top Twilight television series in the works at Lionsgate. 
I need Bobby Pats to play Carlisle so bad. Dude, he's motherfucking Batman. He's not doing anything at all with that. No, if there was anybody at that level who would do it for the joke, I feel like it's him. I feel like he might do it just for the joke. If they tell him that he only has to record for a week, if he only has to be on set for a week and they'll get all of his scenes done, I bet you he'd go back and do it. I bet the other guy comes back in a heartbeat. He's like, I can play the guy a- that that played Carlisle. Yeah, he would. I can be, you know, I can be an eighteen-year-old werewolf. Taylor Lautner. He's oh, back. Taylor Lautner. Yeah, he'd come back for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the best response that I've seen out of this is um, somebody on Twitter. <laughs> the response was, "I'm only watching this if they cast an extremely closeted lesbian and uh, <laughs> a- and the actor as somebody who very very clearly wants to kill their agent for letting them sign this deal." <laughs> uh but i'm gonna watch the shit out of this um i watch twilight like once a year i'm all in on this oh wow i wasn't expecting that out of you i fucking love the twilight movies okay i do um i I don't know why really i mean i do it's because of Kristen stewart but past that i don't really know why um also they have to put the blue filter on this right if you're gonna if you're gonna make this TV show, you have to shoot the entire thing with a blue filter, just like the movies. Obviously. Oh, I think you mess around and make. E- well, it depends on is it how many seasons are you planning? Because if, it, if you do like a one season thing, change it up, change your change your styles. Go claymation for an episode if you want. <laughs> uh, that makes just as much sense as making the TV show in the first place. Um. Let's hop over to the world of F1, Ross. You want to talk a little bit about this new deal with Paramount Plus? Yeah. So the extent of my understanding, F Formula One Racing and Paramount Plus, we think, oh, it's going to be a streaming deal. Well, it literally is just a partnership. It's like just having their logos on billboards around the racetrack. That's the extent of this deal. But it's an interesting note because... Disney-owned ESPN currently has the rights to F1. That goes until 2024. So some people are sedating and hypothesizing that this is Paramount Plus posturing to make a run at F1 streaming rights in 2025. After that runs out? That'd be smart. Yes. So they're trying to ingratiate now, be the best partner possible, get your logo everywhere so fans start associating you two. We really did remake cable. Hundred percent. It's at that point now that it's fully just cable. Fucking content, though. Yeah, like what? What's on Paramount Plus? I'm just gonna open it up right now and see what's on. Mm. (laughs) Um, I was I. Oh, they have okay. They got some heavy hitters. They have Comedy Central on there. They have Nickelodeon, and they have. Some solid documentaries with the Smithsonian Channel. They got some heavy hitter studios at the very least. Oh, it's Yellowstone. That's what makes this entire thing. Okay, that makes sense. It's Taylor. And they also, yeah, I don't know. It's it's Taylor Sheridan, the streaming service. I don't know if it's still there, but they also had Jackass for for a while. They'll get some of the movies. Beavis and Butthead was a draw. I'm not gonna lie, that was a draw. 
the offer was a draw for me. That was that was a show that made me push the buttons. I'd been curious about the Jeremy Renner um, Taylor Sheridan show, and then I oh, watched that, it. That one sucked. That was I did not up. like that. Yeah. Taylor Sheridan really just he got way too big for his britches real quick. Even these, I'm trying to watch these Yellowstone spinoffs, and they're not very good either. I I watched um, was it eighteen whatever? Yeah, that one wasn't bad. Yeah, it was fine. It's not as good as Yellowstone. Sure. Um, but whatever, I guess. I think it's very funny that now he shoots all of those shows on the ranch that he owns. He has to be making so much fucking money. Yeah. So much money. Yeah, he's rich as fuck. Uh. Jump over to HBO now. Craig Maison, the showrunner for The Last of Us, uh, stated in an interview last week that The Last of Us does not has no plan to end after the next season. The full like the pull quote that everybody's running with, we should be around for a while, is what Craig Maison is saying, which I am all in on. Finish up Joel and Ellie's story, take us through The Last of Us Part Three eventually, and then just tell just like we were talking about after the Bill and Frank episode, just tell us stories of the last of us tell us stories of the last the humans world. in different places yeah 100 percent. remember he at one point they came across uh graham green and another woman who were sit, just chilling in a spot mm-hmm. towards the end of the season what's their what was their story what was their experience yeah yep just t- pick random people out Perfect. Give me little one and a half hour mini series type episodes. Give me six episodes a season. You could run that forever. I'm in. For sure. I you could run it forever. I don't know if you want a Walking Dead this thing. Yeah, I mean that. It's kind of like that. But Walking Dead's a comic book. This becomes a comic book. It's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a virtual graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah. And a Walking Dead kind of wore off. It's welcome with me. It did. But that was also one storyline. Like, that's following one set of people through this entire thing. Where yeah. I think you get a little bit more freshness if you're just bouncing around. But then again, The Walking Dead tried to do that spinoff, and it was one of the worst TV shows I've ever seen in my life. So, Walking Dead Telltale games. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cle- fantastic. I mean, Clementine's story still hits. Yes. Did you ever do the, what was it, after the second one after Joel died and Ellie was taking care of the bit, that one hit. Yeah. Um, season two and season three. So good. Bond fans got a little bit of news. Uh, we didn't get any sort of real hint on where it's going, uh, who the next James Bond would be. We got a quote, though, that Bond fans should expect a relatively unknown male in their 30s to take over the 007 mantle. So I guess really the only um, confirmation there is that it's not Idris Elba and it's not Lashana Lynch. It's really the only thing that's giving us. Yeah. Relatively unknown. All right, boys. Real villain, it's me. It's Harry Styles. <laughs> you heard it live. That would be the other way to go. Harry Styles is James Bond. Fuck off. 
This one... <laughs> this piece of news really made me mad. I'm not going to lie. WB Games announces Harry Potter Quidditch Champions. After all of this bullshit, taking it out of Hogwarts Legacy and making an entire part of the storyline why Quidditch wasn't happening, everybody complaining that they just wanted to play Quidditch, guess what? It was the entire time just so that they could put out another $60 game. It's horseshit, man. Like, like add that as a DLC for Harry Potter for Hogwarts Legacy. Make it a paid DLC. I don't give a fuck. Everyone will buy it. $20 DLC. Sure. I will pay you $20 for Quidditch. Yes. A full price game. And granted, the PlayStation 2 Quidditch game is one of my favorite games of all time. So I have in the past paid full video game price for a Quidditch only game. I had to and I probably too. will again. But in this day and age of DLC, come the fuck on. Yep, 100%. You're going to do it. it, it I think, one, well, it does feel like a money grab, but also they're trying to expand, what is it, this wizarding world? Yeah. They're trying to grow that brand. But And the other thing, like, they're making this game sort of cheaper than Hogwarts Legacy, where they're not doing full, like, realism-type graphics. It's way more cartoony graphics. Um, They're making it for younger kids, it looks like, also, so... You know, I get it, I guess, but like the opportunity was there. At least put the mechanics in Hogwarts Legacy and give us like a little side quest. Uh, seriously. Give us like one little Quidditch training match or something and the ability to like play random pickup games with random students. That's all I'm asking for. Um, you're, so, you're so shocked when corporations try to make more money. Yeah, well, they're also doing it. Be, uh, they're also, you know, remaking Harry Potter now because uh, J.K. Rowling realized that all of the original cast are old enough to call her a terrible person, and so she needs a new cast of young children that she can boss around to prey upon. Yeah, and drain the blood from. Make. Uh... <laughs> yeah, uh, that was going to be a bad joke. I'm not going. The last of or the cast for Disney's Haunted Mansion reboot is insane. I didn't know this was happening, to be completely honest, until you put it in our Twitter chat, Louis. Uh-huh. Rosario Dawson, Lakeith Stanfield, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Tiffany Haddish, and Jamie Lee Curtis in the Haunted Mansion reboot. What that, the fuck is going on? Yeah. That's a crazy cast for this kind of movie. It's like Ryan Johnson got to make it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if Jungle Cruise had this kind of a cast. Like, that's the same level of of movie we're talking about out of Disney right now. And that was crazy when it was, like, Emily Blunt and The Rock in this, like, weird Jungle Cruise movie. Dope. And now we're talking about six, like, full-on A-listers in The Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Granted, you don't have to pay for any other cast because there's only, like, eight people in that entire movie. So. I just think it's so funny. And I'm so in. Danny DeVito in A Haunted Mansion, that's all you actually needed. This could have been one person that they were announcing, and if it was Danny DeVito, I would have been okay with it. Why? (laughs) Um, Speaking of Danny DeVito and 
characters that he should have played. I wish we would have gotten Danny DeVito as the Penguin, but we did not. The Penguin trailer came out, and it was more – it was like a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, which was kind of sick to see, honestly, yeah. in like a first trailer. I really kind of liked that um, that angle they took with it. I'm still, I mean, just mad excited for this movie. I, I thought it was a TV show. TV show, rather. It's yeah, yeah. It's going to be a show. And it is already confirmed that it picks up pretty much directly after the Batman, like right after the flood. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, and, and it, well, it because it's a show... And because Pattinson's not in it, Pattinson's working on the Batman too. One would think then he's not going to die because if he's going to die, it will be at the hands of Batman. Or yeah. So is he going to be the big bad in in the Batman too? I hope not. Because there's there's such mm -hmm. an opportunity with Batman villains specifically of how chaotic Gotham is and how all of them are just active all the time. Yes. That you could do one of these shows at any point, really. Like, you could do an eight-episode run of a show, of a Firefly show, randomly, oh, yeah. if you wanted to. And then um, you could make a whole another, like, you could also make this whole run of Penguin, I forgot the damn name of him, Penguin Gang running into Joker Gang. Maybe Joker gets yeah. out of Asylum, or maybe this is, introduces us to well, I feel like we ha do you think we have to get an on-screen transformation of Harvey Dent or do you think we just get Two-Face? No, I think we just get Two-Face. Then you have those two games yeah. going at it. No, I agree. I think that's I think that's ideal, right? Like or this is the setup for how the Joker maybe we're doing a little like starting the Batman 2 already and this is the setup like the Penguin Gang's going to break the Joker and Scarecrow out of uh, uh Asylum. I bet it's going to be a setup for the Batman too. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit of both. A little bit of building out Gotham, a little bit of showing what else is going on, um, and also a little bit of setting up. What? And then, I... and then all of a sudden it's going to multiverse and Joaquin Phoenix and Lady <laughs> Gaga walk through the door. What, what yeah. I'm curious about is this is a show so heavily bounded in realism. I... What, Join in if you guys, or correct me if I'm wrong, if you have not heard this. I heard Clayface was going to be have have a big role in the Batman too. I've seen that. I've seen he's going to be in that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious how that's going to work. I'm guessing mm. CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hilarious, Louie. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Ah, that was a good one. Um, practical effects. <laughs> let's hop over to the MCU, the other side of this. We got some weird rumors, I'm not going to lie, uh, of Adam Driver as Reed Richards. That I'm, I mean, it's well documented on the show how much we love Adam Driver. I don't love this. Really? No, I don't. I'm okay with it. I don't need it. I'm fine with it. I don't need I, it. Physically, it works. Yes, agreed. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the yeah. physical. He 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 has the presence that that will be able to deliver it. He's he. I'm I'm sure he can deliver any lines. Right. Yeah. 
So, oh, I have no doubt that he can do it. Absolutely no doubt. Well, maybe he's tired of making Noah Baumbach films on Netflix for a year and a half that nobody watches. Maybe he's tired of making a movie called 65 million or whatever that nobody sees. Oh, nobody 65 sees. BC or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, like I maybe he was just like, fuck. When last time people really cared was when I was Kylo Ren. Maybe I should go be Reed Richards. And I know he did Marriage Story after that, and he won, you know, got nominated for an Oscar, blah, blah, blah. blah. And The Last Duel. That and was a good Last movie. Badass. Yeah, you're right. I like The Last Duel. But most that movie the- gets so unnecessarily shit on. That's a good movie. I, yeah, but I, but Affleck's your favorite part in it. 100%. 100%. Then he did House of Gucci, and that was a problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bring me back to like 2018, Adam Driver, Black Klansman, and Black the man Klansman. who killed Don Quixote oh, in, in one Klansman. year. I I mean I love Black Klansman. I, man who killed Don Quixote is one of my favorite movies from that year. It's so fucking good. I also I just really like Don Quixote, and I think more people should read that book. And my, act my like Don guess, Quixote. My guess is their conversations with him is that he's getting a bag. Because, because, and I think I think this is also true because there. I think the Jonathan Major situation looks real grim right now, and he may not get to be like there. I I think they might wait until after Loki season two is finished and shown, and then then I I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut. Yeah, and yeah. then they gotta they gotta totally reboot it, and they might have to go even though it's the Kang Dynasty is out there. It might just be more of a, guess what? We're calling it the um, Dr. Doom dynasty. Yeah. Right? Pull a little a little switcheroo there might be happening. They might just have to do that. Or we just plug a new actor in. Also true. Also, They've true. done it before. They have. Yep. Yeah. And, um, oh, God. Shout out to uh, Mr. Norton. Well, no, I was going to the guy that played machine. Iron Man's calling up these, you know, Marvel going... Mr. Feige, I could totally, I could totally be Kang if you want. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Feige. Yeah. Uh, sorry sorry about Iron Man. Sorry, I bailed on that one. Uh, let's hop over to Star Wars for a hot second before we get into this Mando review. A little bit of Star Wars news. One really sad piece of news. So throwing it back to the OG Star Wars Battlefront games, some of Star Wars Battlefront Two, the original. I think is one of the most universally beloved games ever. Ross, mm-hmm. do you think that's an accurate statement? That very, very fair. Um, the sequel to that game, Star Wars Battlefront Three, was in, now coming out ninety nine percent done, literally like weeks away from being able to be shipped when it was canceled. And that is one of the biggest travesties, travesties I think I've ever heard. Terrific. Also, just zero, zero business sense. How does that make any sense? It would have killed. It would have, yeah, it would have, it would have murdered. Started. What's your rationale? What's your rationale, corporation? Yeah, right? I, I don't get it. Like, it must not have been good. It must have tested poorly, or it must have had a lot of glitches and patches that would have been needed, or something. Like, it, yeah, that, that it had to have been. They must have gotten negative feedback. That or um, 
I mean, like the story must have over, been terrible. I'm going to jump in over you, Caleb. The only thing that made sense to me is if some bigwig exec brought the hammer down on rights or something like that or didn't want their trademarks used. This was also right before the Disney sale. Like, Star Wars Battlefront 2 comes out in 2006. Prequel trilogy ends in what, 2005? Yeah. 2006, right around there. Um, and the sale to Disney is what, like 2010? Or is it later than that? Oh, it was 2012. So really not that even close. I don't know what the reasoning was. I really don't. They're in that the kind of post or prequel trilogy black hole a little bit, maybe, where people were just pissed about those movies for whatever reason. I don't know. It's so weird. Um, more to today's Star Wars, Andy Serkis confirmed on the cast list for Andor Season 2. He's alive. Sweet. I would have liked... Or he's playing Snoke early. Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> or he's playing Zeb. Or we can go back to this theory that Andy Serkis is playing Zeb. Let's do that. Let's do that. I'm a fan. Um, yeah, I mean, if he is alive, I do think, looking back on that last episode, it's kind of weird that they didn't just, like, sit in the water there and be like, jump in, we'll pull you to shore. There's two of us and we can both swim. We'll get you there. If he is alive, that feels a little weird. I mean, what? correct me if I'm wrong, the last we saw of him was him falling off the tower, right? He's oh, yeah, he falls off first, doesn't he? Oh, like that? Does he? Is, no, no, no. Andor gets ran into, and Andor gets, and Cassian Andor gets pushed off, and we see him up above. We never see him this, jump into the water, right? Uh, I don't. I thought Am he I crazy? did. I don't know. I'm not saying you are. I just don't know. I could have sworn it was like. Regardless, it's the no body, no death. Yeah, hundred percent. We never saw a body. Which is why I'm still um, – that was that was about to be a spoiler for a show that only ended like two weeks ago. That would have been a bad idea. Um, bad Batch, cough, cough. Nobody, no death, cough, cough. Um, this last rumor, me and Louie were talking a little bit about it uh, right before you hopped into the call, I think, Ross. John Boyega rumored – I saw that. To be returning in Ray's film after Lindelof's departure. I'm in. I'm always down for more John Boyega. I think he's a fantastic it, actor. I mean, if he's back back, like I'm still kind of like waiting until Science yeah, delivered. That's that's the more questioning part of me with this rumor is like it very much seems like there's a lot of there was a lot of bad blood and there continues to be a lot of bad blood between John Boyega and Lucas film. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know if I really believe this one. I am hyped if it is true. Stacks of cash on stacks of cash. Money talks. And especially probably for John Boyega right now. When's the like I mean the woman was thing was in? kick ass. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, movie's fantastic. That movie's really good. What else is he in since he was he in that? that uh, 
He was in that, yeah, Detroit movie is what I was thinking of. Um, is there anything else? Talk about a dude that could play Kang. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's a that, yep. that's not bad. I'm actually all in on that. That would if yeah. I mean, if we're gonna replace Jonathan Majors with somebody, I'm fully in on it being John Boyega. Yep, he can do it. He's got he can do John Boyega can do all kinds of shit. Yeah, John Boyega can do probably anything. Uh, you guys want to hop onto these reviews? You want to go Teddy Lasso first and then Mando? Yeah, that's it. Me. Let's do it. Um, this is your last kind of chance. If you do not want Ted Lasso and or uh, Mandalorian season three spoiled for you, dip out now. If you want to listen about Ted Lasso and wait for Mando here in a sec, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, or if you're just a cretin that likes spoilers, then stick around. Um, so we're talking episode six. Yes, Ted Lasso, we're talking about episode six. Last warning, if you are leaving, have a great week. If not, let's do this. That, I think, rivals the Christmas episode and the uh, Curious Speech episode as, like, I think that those are my top three episodes of this entire show now. Um. So shocked when I when I opened up Apple Tuesday night and it told me it was a one hour and three minute runtime. Baffled, hyped, but baffled when I saw that. Um, but but one of the things that I really liked about it and I like I like this format. I, I, I like it in movies. I like it in TV shows. I like one day or one one day one night. Mm. You know, a twenty I like twenty four hour period television and. And so then you have everybody's continuing narratives going on all at the same time. I dig that kind of stuff. So, so bravo for, for that. I just like it. I, I like that form of storytelling, but yes, this, this is by far the best episode this season. Yes. hundred percent. I think Lou, you hit the nail on the head with this. So many different storylines bouncing around all, all sorts of different ways. And it's because we, as the fans have, gotten to know these characters enough that we can get to the point where we can make these jumps with everyone so i think it's kind of like a cool appreciation of just like all the characters we've gotten to see and know also and just letting loose having fun the callbacks with that oh, too yeah. like all the way back to season one the pillow fight finally happening is hilarious um rebecca Pointing a little point a little finger at Roy after Roy pointed a finger at Rebecca in her dating life last season when he goes he has that line is like why why the fuck do you think he's good enough he's perfectly fine why do you think he's good enough for you uh Rebecca coming back hitting him with the uh where's Keely going ah oh, she's going to somebody that thinks they deserve her yep um the callbacks. Just like the wrapping up and the bringing forward of these relationships, I agree with everything you guys were saying. It's so is such a lovely episode. I was very pleasantly surprised. See, I didn't know it was that hour long show. Mm. The um, of course, you know, today seeing stuff online, you're like, you know, people people wanting the Jamie Tart Roy spinoff show where they just become best friends. 
and they're they're forever joined at the hip. Yeah. That whole scene with Jamie trying to teach Roy to ride a bike is one of the funniest damn things. It was great, but the the entire thread of them when yeah. they're when he's like when he's pissed off, he gets on the bus and he's like yells at Tart, we gotta go and you know, we gotta go training. He's like, Oh, okay, coach. You know, like his his mindset right now, his pursuit of greatness is like, okay, I will do whatever you will do. And I just, and then, and then when they're going through and he's pointing out parts of, of uh, Amsterdam and highlights and stuff, and this is the bridge that a James Bond movie was on and yeah, yep. doing cartwheels while running. Um, Jamie and Tart. I never would have thought I would have so much love for Jamie Tart. Me either. I know he's and, his character. De- sorry, j- jump over you. His oh, character development is real. Hundred percent. Just the way that they like slowly circled around into like these traumatic childhoods that they kind of shared was so awesome too. Mm-hmm. Through all of this, through the running around and talking about Amsterdam, we learn about. Oh, Jamie learned so much about Amsterdam, even though he's only there two times because, like, his child brain needed something to focus on besides the god awful relationship with his father and the god awful things his dad was doing to him in that city. Like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie actually had nurturing a little bit there. A little bit, not from his pops, but um, Ted finally figured it out. Finally figured his, he finally figured his soccer out because he thought he was hallucinating. <laughs> he, he thought he was tripping. Thought, thought he was he, tripping. Thought he was hallucinating. He yeah. still could have been. Oh, uh, those, maybe those two guys have quite high tolerances. That they said that, it was a dud batch. It could have been that beer was full of shit, um, and that beard knows Ted better than Ted knows Ted, and he knew Ted was going to take that tea afterwards. Could have also been that this is like the seventh time we've seen Beard on Mushrooms or heard about Beard on Mushrooms throughout this entire <laughs> yeah. series. Like, yeah. that dude just has a really high tolerance. It could have been a dud batch for him and still gotten Ted baked out of his fucking mind. Fair. Yes. Ted, I like beers to stay in control, Lasso. <laughs> uh, <laughs> le- what else? Like, oh, oh. Rebecca. Rebecca, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, Rebecca. Which mm-hmm. is she gonna go back? Does she, is she gonna see him again, or is this more he's, of a? He's gonna see her. He's gonna come to see her. He's gonna see her on television and realize, and that's like where Rebecca's the important one now. Like Rebecca's the one that's getting chased now. Yes. Well, I'm. You know what's nice, and it's and it's a good time to say this too, because now that we're we've gone from the same thing, it appears like that 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 is over, that is done with. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. she is definitely not going to go back down that road. And I honestly, I think from uh, you can't do that kind of power differential in the workplace anymore, yeah. and have it be normal. So yeah, so I think that's wonderful. And and she should be with somebody who are in her age bracket. And somebody who doesn't give a fuck about any of the rest of it. Like, 
doesn't give a shit about the soccer, doesn't give a, the football, doesn't give a shit about the club, doesn't give a shit about Rupert. Throws um, his iPhone in the water. Just chucks that thing. <laughs> I mean, the riz on that move. Come on. Just chucks, just chucks his uh, phone in the water. Um, the random foot massage was a little weird. It was a little bit aggressive. Well, yeah. you believe John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I got thrown off a off a building for giving Marcellus Wallace wife's a foot massage. Where were uh, you about to take us there, Louis? Before I went into Rebecca? oh, I was going to go into Colin and and Trent. That part was great. yeah. I yes. really appreciated that. Um, I I don't think based on what Colin was saying, we're not going to have a thing where anybody else on the team finds out. I think no. this is this there may maybe somebody else will be like Trent and said, yeah, I saw you kissing him and whatever. Right. And it, that could be, that could be beard. That could be, you know, like somebody else could have that happen and just be like, okay. Mm. You know, like yeah. I, in the more of the North, the, the thing for, for him to be like, people just accept me for who I am or not. I, or, or they, but I don't think he's going to be the spokesman for an out gay athlete in. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know who I think it's going to be? I think there is going to be one more. I think yeah. it's going to be Nate. I think that's I think that is Nate deciding that that's too far over the line and that he is becoming a person he doesn't want to be. Hmm. And it's a nice wrap up of the Nate Colin um dynamic from season Still, 2. Yeah. But yes, I agree. I love getting to see Trent Krim just be like cool gay dad Trent Krim. Yeah. Yep. I thought for a second it was gonna be like a relationship thing. I was like, I don't know if I like this part, but I like cool. I like where it ended up with cool gay dad Trent. Yes. Yes. I was really nervous they were gonna try to make him a thing. Yeah. No. No. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And Trent Krim, value added for this season when they brought him around as the. You know, he was going to be the guy writing this book during this year. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that as a storyline. Yeah. Um, but no, he's great. He's absolutely value added. Um, Higgy Baby, Higgy Baby and Will. Will just finding his way into a threesome is, a, uh, is an odd way for his character to develop, but I do love it. Um Awesome. And the whole the whole running joke with the running going to the red light district. Yes, yeah, yeah. going, nah. 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 The whole team. The whole team did that. Um Higgins just laying it down on stage. Yeah. Well, he re- remember he talked about playing the bass when he met his wife. Mm-hmm. Right? So I like Will getting a little bit more shine. I like this happening also because it kind of like backfills in a little bit of Will and Higgins. You know, like that Higgins wanted to take Will specifically on doing this, that Will was like fine just going and hanging out with Higgins, like shows a little bit that he was a little bit more involved, um, which I like. Yeah. What else do we have from this episode? 
I think that's uh, pretty much it. Van Damme's the perv of the team. Yeah. It's not a sex show. <laughs> yeah, Van Damme was getting aggressive there. Uh, Jan I don't know. Moss, Jan Say- Moss telling the truth in the interview. Yeah. Well, our energy couldn't be lower because we have been so low. Uh, Sam's arc this season is weird. Y- yes, 1,000%. Next episode, he's supposed to have something. I was just looking at Apple today. Mm. And so so I think he gets he gets to come back a little bit. So so we're going to get more Sam. I could use that. I could, I could use a really Sam-centric episode. I think he yeah. deserves that. Without Edwin Akufu? Yeah. Um, An actual Sam episode. Not a Sam and Rebecca, not a Sam and a Khufu. Give me a Sam episode. I'm okay if it's a Sam and Ted episode. I would like Danny Rojas to get himself a tulip, though. That would be good. Me too. Danny deserves a tulip. That, was fucking, a tulip. that was fucking adorable. Danny, you wrote yes. it in Spanish. <laughs> Anybody could have done that. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Uh... Entire field of tulips would have been too overwhelming. <laughs> He's such a precious character. All right. Any last no thoughts here on? They're just <laughs> having too much fun with that shit. It is. They are. Um, any last thoughts here on Ted Lasso before we hop over to Mando? I'm not ready for it to be over. It's Neither be am I. Keep the momentum rolling. Let's six keep episodes it going. left. How many? Six, I think. I think. Now I'm going to look. I'll look to see. Okay. I think you're right. I think it's six. Um, Forever. As long as... Forever? Well, that's Sudeikis' plan. As long as they don't go back on that. I could see Apple throwing like a... Ted Lasso is done, but Richmond FC, the new new spinoff show starting... Yeah, they stop at 12. Next week's episode's called Boxes. The Greyhounds try a new strategy that has everyone thinking outside the box. Sam prepares to host a VIP guest at Ola's. Hmm. Could be. Could be. Please tell me he brings back that guy that owned that Nigerian football team. Um, I could see it. All right. Yeah. Let's hop over to Mando. Uh, season three review. We already dubbed Ross the champion of Mando Bingo last week. I don't think even either of us got another one this week to make it at all closer. Uh, yeah, no, it was not close. Short, short finale. Second shortest episode of the whole season. Yeah, 38 minutes. In and out. Yep. But a jam-packed one, at least to finish up one storyline. Leaves us okay. with some of them hanging out there, which is intentional. Yeah. Because I think, well, I think okay, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think part of the reason they went for the shorter one was they did they had fight scenes and they were they were there they were fine I thought they one of the things MCU fight sh- or uh shows have been getting killed in the reviews was that the gratuitous fight scene that ends mm-hmm. with the big bad and it's all cgi and it's all this and that i thought that theirs were quick and fast and moved 
moved it along instead of having to, you know, having to fight so long, so, so many times. So I agree. And even the long fight was really between uh, our major players was really like three different fights right. that kind of culminated together. Um, mm. Where do you want to start? Because I kind of want to start with that. And we're talking about a fight scene, so maybe we should. I want to start with the, the armor and Bo-Katan leading that fucking badass charge. Dude, it, I like how crazy of a fucking nerd moment is that? I was just thinking about that earlier today. We were supposed to talk about it tomorrow, so I watched it hella quick. Like we, since the goddamn Clone Wars, we've just been hearing about how badass Mandalorian warriors are, and we're getting a full fucking army of them taking on the Empire. And it's like this is some nerdy shit, but hell yeah. Just that entire sequence from when we hear the armorer's voice saying, I've got your reinforcements, to the gauntlets dropping through the clouds, to the Mandalorians dropping out. Also, the armorer had the sickest gauntlet dismount I think I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, yes. And then pulling that hard bank in towards the Imperial base, Bo-Katan and the armor almost side to side, but Bo-Katan just a little bit out in front, as she should be. Uh, Bo-Katan pulling the dark saber and leading the way, but the armor coming in right next to her with the fucking hammer. Oh, it was so cool. That was so badass. No, no, no. They took the line straight out of Sam Wilson on your left. On your left. Just, I'm here. I got you. Like, th- that fight scene was great. I Disappointed is not the right word, because, like, in terms of the story, I get it. It makes sense. The... And this is going to tie me into another point, too, so I'm going to rant for a second. The whole how Moff Gideon ended this season, I thought for sure. I wanted him to, like, obviously be beaten by the Mandalorians, have to go crawling back to his council, and then Thrawn reveals himself and ostracizes him. And that's how I thought we would get led into Ahsoka. I thought it was going to be that, too. Yeah. And But this kind of leads me to a larger point of, my overall, I didn't, I wasn't totally on board with Gideon's arc this year. He felt kind of like a villain that was kind of pulled out at the halfway point. Quickly yeah. threw bad guy ideas together. And then in two episodes, they set up like the fight. It didn't feel like a buildup like it has been in the past. Well, he, yeah, because they, they he was only in like the last two episodes. Yeah, I think like the uh, last three episodes. Three. Last three. Well, but but he is the reason. He's the one who who led the siege of Mandalore. He's the one who took the dark saber from Bo-Katan. Yeah. So her trying to bring everybody back together, in essentially like they're trying to do it in a way where he's allegedly gone. Right. He was supposed to be gone. He's in the New Republic's hands. So he's he's out of the picture. So that I don't know. Versus, I'm not I'm not arguing your point. I agree. That's a good point. It's how they set up Moff this season. It felt rushed and it didn't real feel as fleshed out as they would have focused in the past. I think part of the difference is season one Moff Gideon was Imperial Remnant and was hiding, but was directly at odds with Din specifically. 
and so we got more of him because of that but like this makes more like this really makes more sense for how the imperial remnants have to operate like they are in the shadows they are moving the strings behind the scenes um in and secret bases on dead planets yeah and it, it was a it was a nice red herring having the Beskar uh, in the New Republic shuttle, and being like, "How the fuck? Like, what Mandalorians are breaking him out?" And in reality, it's just like, "Oh no!" Like the storm, the the dark troopers have Beskar alloy armor now, which also scary. Yeah. Again, not arguing any of your points. My you point was, my it made sense. All of that. My point was just Moff Gideon's character didn't feel developed. Mm. Instead of him being like this big force that they happen to run into with overlaying objectives. So like, oh, he's out of jail. Here's here he is. Yeah. It does seem like it was in the middle of the ground. Like it does seem like they set him up this way because he was going to go groveling back to Thrawn. And who knows? We might still get that. It was another no-body, no-death situation. He's wearing an entire suit of Beskar, of Beskar armor. He's not necessarily dead there. Fair. I, I, I don't know if they can bring it back three times, though. It's an overcooked TV dinner. This is two different series now than where that actor, uh, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo Esponito. Esponzito Esponito. Esposito. Esposito. I think. Um, two different series shows now where he's ended up getting cooked. That's true. Um speaking of that last scene where he does get cooked, the rebels the rebels callback with of Kanan's death. Oh man, I almost started crying. Uh it was so good. Also Kanan, not a weak force user. Like, Kanan, strong enough to commune with and, like, have real conversations with the Bendu, and he couldn't hold back a fire like that? Grogu's got some juice. Yeah, he is no joke. Grogu's got I, some real juice. Grogu is Yoda's mom and Yoda's kid. No, nope. yeah. Din Grogu has some juice. Din Grogu no. has some juice. Din Grogu. But I thought it was interesting when when the armor was talking about him at the baptism or whatever, you know, the attempted baptism. And no, no, his parents are not here to claim him. And I was like, Yoda? I mean, you know, it Yoda and Yaddle are the only other we've seen of his species. So it's it I don't know. It it it's set up, but you would well, I hope they don't. Well, we it, just got past the Baby Yoda bullshit. We just got past it. Yeah. We're really not even past it because I definitely had a conversation this year of somebody saying Baby, Gro Baby Yoda and me saying Grogu, and they're like, who? Yeah. Tell me you don't watch Star Wars by, by telling without telling me you don't watch Star Wars. For real. Um... Let's talk about some of these storylines. We wrapped up this this major one. Uh, we wrapped up the retaking of Mandalore. Bo-Katan uh, has reunited. She is Mandalore the Uniter. 
And the mythosaur did not rear its head its head. It's still there. No, it's okay. still there. Din Djarin and Din Grogu will not be a part of Mandalore. Not a direct part of Mandalore. I, I wonder I wonder how this will work now. Because we remember we talked on this podcast about how show creators put out a quote that this is now a show about Mandalores. Yeah. Mandalorians in general, right? Not just Din anymore. So is this something where the show focus is going to transfer back fully to Din? I think so. Yes. I think we're getting Rangers of the New Republic. I think Din is taking what Cara was Dune. going to be Cara Dune's spot in that show uh, with hmm. Grogu. And that's going to be our return to like Monster of the Week mm-hmm. um, storytelling. And then my assumption is that the Mandalore stuff is coming through ahsoka is coming through um the rest of these tv shows i don't think mandalorian's gonna have i think i think ahsoka is gonna go the the only mandalorian that you're probably gonna see in ahsoka is sabine Sabine. Mm. yeah i mean because i think i think they're going into deep space i think they're um i think it's just gonna go and it's and it's Ezra and it's Sabine and it's Ahsoka and it's Hera. You know, it, it is Rebels. It's yeah. Rebels. It's the epilogue. Yeah. Uh, so. I more meant that that's the next time we're going to see like Bo-Katan. But I, I, you might be right. We might not I even don't think, see her I there. I don't think we'll see her. I don't. I think we'll see her on a uh, episode of Mandalorian or the Skeleton Crew. Before, but I don't think we see her in that. There. Yeah, that makes Unless sense. Unless Sabine returns victorious and you know after after rescuing Ezra or something right yeah Sabine's already bent the knee to Bo-Katan once yeah she gave her the fucking dark saber mm-hmm. House Ren is the only Mandalorian house that's still off the board we don't know what's happening there we don't know yeah. how many of them are left we don't know if it's just Sabine um so if I hope we don't just get another Mandalorian civil war, but if we do, they're the ones that are on the other side of it. I don't think. I, I don't think so either. Honestly, I think this might just be the end of this Mandalore arc, and like we might just yeah. be moving away from talking about Mandalorians for a while. I think if anything, they'll come back into. They might come help Din if he's got to do stuff where he gets himself into too much stuff. Yeah, and they can save him because he's part of the clan. They're going to come in at like the end of Mandalorian season four. Yeah. Or get a little bit of little bit of monster of the week stuff. We'll probably check back in with Boba Fett. Yes. Yes. Uh, and maybe Cobb Vanth will be out of the back to tank there. Cause we need more Oliphant. We need more marshals. We got another marshal. We got a new marshal. IG 11's back. Um, okay. So one of the thoughts that I was having well, I had a couple of couple of ones. Um, did you guys enjoy the Phantom Menace slash John Wick scene when uh, R five was shutting off the yeah the red lights the the lights were there and he's like R five and he is doing it and I was like it's like the Phantom Menace meets John Wick because you know as soon as he gets through he's going to kill the next guy yeah. the next two guys and then he kills, you, you know, know I was just kind of thinking about it we've always took it that the that Din is 
Din Djarin is an expert, you know, gunsmith. He's a good fighter. I think this was kind of the first time he was flexing his hand-to-hand combat. Yes. Din Djarin mm-hmm. is one of the best gunslingers. Not yeah. best, like, warriors in the Star Wars universe. Because, like, I have been kind of thinking about it. Like, he's really bad with that jetpack. He's very unskilled with it. Every time he lands with that, he's like falling onto the ground. Um, yeah, he's like full gunslinger. He's a dope gunslinger and can't do a whole lot else. Like he just fights and that's it. And he's really good at taking <laughs> taking hits, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Grogu's Jedi training coming out here. Especially compared to, like, season... So, like, Grogu season one and two, whenever he had to use the Force, reacted with, like, force, for lack of a better word. Like, he reacted with pushing things hard away, getting things as far away as possible, um, and, like, hurting some things in the process by pushing them into walls and stuff. He had precision with the Force. And also... It comes in like he's diffusing this Mandalorian, this fight between these two Mandalorians. He's going the Jedi way there. Like that, that, that two years with Luke thing is becoming more and more important, I think. Yeah. No. No? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought we were going to get first words, like I actual words. For a second, we were going through as well. I was kind of sad we didn't open yeah. up season four with Grogu saying like Dada or something. People will lose their mind. No, no, we can't have anybody call Pedro Pascal daddy on television again. Jesus Christ. We can't do this again. I am okay. your daddy. Here's one, though. Here's a thought that I was also having yesterday. It was a scene when I, the guy's name is Wolf, right? The the one guy who. Uh, Wolf. Axe Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in that ship, and I was like, here he is. Or no, Axe Woves, sorry. Okay, so anyways, he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice. And I was like, he's putting himself in a long tradition of Star Wars heroes who go off to do do that, you know, like, like uh, well, Paz Vizsla last weekend, right? Yeah. Or um, um, Admiral the entire Rogue One crew, Obi-Wan sacrificing himself so they the rest of them can escape on the Falcon. You know, like all of these things, and then and then all of a sudden he like jetpacks on him. Like, yeah, dude, way to way to not have to just get out. You know, way to be smart. Just one rocket right in the window, and I'm out. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Also, bit of background context. I just said I'm your daddy with no context. Pedro Pascal said that in an interview. I'm not saying that to Caleb and Louis. All right, I understood where you were coming from. I understand needing a random listener that may not be fluent on TikTok or social media may have just heard me refer to you both and say, I'm your daddy. <laughs> um, this In the grand scheme of it all, it they didn't really lose a whole lot. Like we always worry about the states of these season finales and, you know, characters that are dying, which characters are we going to lose, right? It, it Maybe it's just me. It never felt like states were risky to lose someone. It was more high, a lot of hypothesizing about is someone a mole, is someone a rat or a traitor, mm. you know? I like that they didn't give us that. I'm cool with it. And it makes sense. Like, it makes sense, too. After we found out, like, how big that base actually was and how it was actually a base, I was like, oh, that's how he knew. They have fucking sensors. Like, they saw the ships coming. 
that's why Gideon was there. Um, what else from this episode? Oh, Grogu's acrobatics acts with the Praetor- Praetorian guards. Loved it. That was yeah. so fun. Yeah. Gro- Grogu and Din just working really well together in general, like sliding past each other all the time. Grogu doing Din's like knee slide as he's coming up to to Moff Gideon, I thought was the cutest goddamn thing in the episode. Does it make, I mean, not all Praetorian guards are the same, but Kylo and Rey look kind of weak now in comparison. I, I mean, you're not There wrong. was 10 of them. <laughs> they were fighting 10 Praetorian guards. I uh, know we're not doing this. We're not going, <laughs> we're not going to start talking shit about one of the best choreographed fight scenes in all of Star Wars. Fair. And it's like all of a sudden it, it's so weird when you just look at like four, five, and six, and you know, the Emperor had his guards standing in red, and those guys just stood there. Yeah, and they didn't do dick. They were Jack pussies. Were they didn't they didn't need to. Sidious was the baddest motherfucker in the whole galaxy. I know, but like why all of a sudden now, but but by the time we get to Snoke being in charge, the Praetorian guards need to be badass. Mm. So I would like I would like a little bit more Praetorian Guard lore. Where are these guys coming from? They're like they're like Sardaukar from Dune. Like, but the Sardaukar have a bit of lore and they have their own planet. Where, where are they pulling Praetorian Guards from? It's not just regular stormtroopers. No. It's not just like elite people that are going through stormtrooper basic training. They gotta be pulling them from somewhere. Maybe they're all IG droids. No, or maybe they're 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 just weren't good enough to be part of. Um, oh shit! What are the ones in Obi Wan that are going after uh, the Inquisitors? Yeah, mm. they're like a step below the Inquisitors, but they're not force sensitive, as far as we yeah. know. Or, or they're kind of they're almost like those droids that Grievous had on uh, on on his ship. That's the closest thing to yeah. That. Is is the the magnetar droids? Yeah, which is fun. I like that. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else this episode specifically. What about the season as a whole? Like, how do you think season three stacks up compared to one and two? Well, since I hate women, I'm pissed that Bo-Katan got so much run in it. So, <laughs> oh wait, I don't. So never mind. <laughs> I'm sick of I, internet trolls that are just like, this isn't supposed to be the Bo Katan show. So I, I think p- part of me has been kind of reflecting on this the past few days because initially I was like, I mean, I liked it. It's still Star Wars. I like it. I think I like it a little less than season two. But I think also it's just the high that was season two's finale. Mm. Yeah. Just like it's such a spike, right? Of but like looking at the season as a whole, I'm I really like that they branched out, tried something different, brought back the story to Mandalore, made it about a people. I I enjoy this season a lot. Looking back on it, it sits well with me. Season two was was the fan service season. season yes. One, season one, every character was there a. a, a anybody who wasn't an original character like 
I'm asking, I don't really think there was. No. I mean, Bo Katan's sidekicks, what, right? Or but that's season two. She that that popped up in season two. Uh Ahsoka popped up in season two, and Luke popped up in season Luke and R2 in the conclusion. So that was the fan servicey season. Season three was more of a retrenching and regrounding with Mandalore. Yeah. It you it know. was moving the overall, it was moving characters oh. forward. Oh, oh, and I'm sorry, did I forget to mention that Boba fucking Fett came back in season two also? So so I mean, like, and then see where season one, it's like he's he's on Tatooine, he's got Quill, he's got, you know, the the guy, um, oh god, the the German director that was the guy trying to get the money. He he had the money trying to buy uh Grogu, right? Yeah, yeah. IG eleven, uh Grief Karga, uh, we learn about uh din's cult of of mandalores you know Caradun. Caradun. all of these people are original characters yeah um in in season one then season two is 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 as a massive pivot and we all love it because of the emotions that we got when we see boba fett when mm-hmm. we see um luke that's season, why we love it. season one was the dinjarin story season two was Din Djarin finds himself in a Star War. At a Star Wars Comic-Con. And he got yeah. to see everybody that we love. He he just found like he found his way into the dominating storyline of the galaxy there. Mm-hmm. Season three was a spin-off show of that. A, like a spin-off season of that. It's a, still an important part of what's going on in the galaxy, but not like the most important part. And now we're probably back to a little bit of Monster of the Week stuff. Yeah. And yeah. we're setting up Ray's part of Ray's movie because you have to imagine that that Grogu's going to show up there. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. We got to get Grogu in there, and we got to get um, Cal Kestis. I think both of them need to make their their big screen debut in that movie. And Ray's right. movie, Ray's movie's the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and granted, I would love to see Ezra there as well, but I don't know. You know, we'll have to see how the Ahsoka show goes for that. But well, and I don't think we're getting just one season of Ahsoka. I think we're gonna. I think Ahsoka might be. I think so too. Might be two seasons before we get to the movie. They've they've got to show us how Ahsoka dies. They got to bring us to that point. Also, we need more with like the world between worlds, and Ahsoka's Ahsoka and Ezra are the only ones that are going to be able to get in there. We got to do some more weird time travel shit because like the version of Ahsoka that exists right now is technically not from the same timeline and nobody really talks about that. Um, Just got pulled out of one timeline into the one that we're watching, but yeah, whatever. Uh, Any kind of last thoughts here on Mandalorian season three before we hop out of here, guys? Go back and watch Obi Wan again. It's worth it, hundred percent. Doing a rewatch on Obi Wan just, just because. Okay, I'm in on that. I actually will probably start that tonight. Now that you say that. And um, no, yeah, I won't. We... It's eleven thirty. That it is, isn't it? Yeah. Anyways, good All time. Right. Good times. This has been Who Asked You, the podcast absolutely nobody asked for, but 
we are going to continue to provide. You can follow the show over on socials at Who Asked You. That's the letter U pod. I'm at Washapec. Ross is at rparker209. Louie is at Louie101. And Alec is at AlecM underscore one. Same time, same place next week. Have a great week, everybody. Later days. Later. 